Hello, everyone. Welcome. This is the podcast Woman and Mythology, and I'm your host, Maria. In today's episode, I'll share with you some of the characteristics of the different types of mothers we see in the Ugly Duckling tale. If you haven't heard the story of the Ugly Duckling, I invite you to return two episodes and listen to the story. This will give you better insights. An understanding of this interpretation. I've also shared already another episode on some general ideas on exile and belonging that I invite you to listen. In the story of the ugly duckling, it all begins with the mother. She is there brewing her eggs, and all the eggs hatch, the little ducklings come out, and one egg remains a bigger egg. What another duck tells her could be a turkey egg. But she doesn't believe that and she stays with her child. She stays with that egg and she sits on it for a while longer. But when the egg is hatched and she sees that the duckling doesn't look like all the other ones, she pronounces him ugly. After that, the ugly duckling joins the siblings on the pond and he is harassed. She tries to protect him a few times. She makes him, you know, she licks his feathers, she defends him, but after a while she cannot any longer. She doesn't have the strength to protect him any longer. And she kind of breaks apart and she says to him, I wish you would just go away. And then he leaves. So in this first moment where we have the interaction of the mother in the story, we see different archetypes of the mother. We see different facets of the mother archetype as well, if we look at the archetype as a whole. So let's rewind a little bit and let's track the stages of this mother. Before I describe the types that we will see in this tale, I want to add that the mother here is a symbol for the internal mother, an aspect of the woman's psyche that acts and responds in a matter identical to a woman's childhood experience, meaning that we carry an inner mother within us. And this inner mother archetype, it is formed by the experience we had of our mother and other mothering figures during the time we were a child. So I can give you an example. If my mother, when I was a child, was a very protective mother, one that didn't allow me to do a lot of things. One that every time I said, mom, I want to start drawing. And she said, oh my God, but what if you hurt yourself with a pencil? Or what if you share your drawing with people and they laugh at you? I don't think you should draw. Why don't you go and do something safer? My internal mother archetype as I grow and become an adult will be one of fear. One that will be when I decide or I have the desire to do something that will say internally to me, oh no, but what if people laugh at you? Or what if you get hurt by doing so? Clarissa Pinkola Estes in her book, Women Who Run With the Wolf, says that this internal mother archetype is formed between the ages of zero and seven years old. It's important to notice as well that even though we become adult, and we heal our relationships with the external mother 
or our external mother in her own journey as a woman changes her behavior and the way she relates to us, the internal mother complex that we carry has been formed and will have the values that the childhood mother had. In the same example that I just gave, this very, imagine a external protective mother. And then during the adolescent phase, this mother goes through her own journey and she becomes more bold. She becomes more courageous with herself, with others. She becomes more encouraging of audacious things or pursuing desires. She starts to encourage me as daughter to pursue that. That might be great as the relationship between mother-daughter. However, the internal mother that I still carry would be of the protective mother. So there need to be not only healing of the relationship between the mother-daughter in the outer world, but one that heals the internal mother as well. So I hope this helped you understand a little bit of how the internal mother is formed in a woman's psyche. The big question here is, before I go into the four types of mother that we're going to see today, is the question, does our internal mother complex sustain our unique qualities or does it need adjustment? Is the voice that represents our internal mother in our psyche is one that encourages us, that gives us freedom, that encourages us to pursue our dreams, or is one that holds us back, makes us question ourselves, makes us be fearful. Clarissa Pinkola Estes says that the qualities to survive certain issues of an unhealthy mother are precisely the qualities that certain cultures do not allow women to nurture. Fearlessness, which is lack of fear. Fearsomeness, ability to cause fear in the other. And vehemence, ability to display strong feeling or passion. These are the three qualities, among others, that we must shelter and nurture to be able to mother ourselves, to heal our internal mother complex. And also, if we choose to, to become good mothers, the radiant mother archetype in the world. Fearlessness, the lack of fear, ability to do things even though they kind of cause us to tremble. Fearsomeness, I absolutely love this one. Ability to cause fear. Most societies raise women in a way that they are not allowed to be able to cause fear on another. It's all about being very demure. However, a mother, when needs to protect her child, needs to be able to cause fear on the other. And she needs to be able to do that with fearlessness. Instead of causing fear on the other and at the same time being afraid of being disfranchised. She needs to be able to protect her child, to give that big powerful snarl as she has to. And vehemence, this ability to showcase passion, to have passion, to follow our passion. Throughout this conversation and throughout this episode, I ask you to not only relate to your mother, your biological mother or the mother who raised you, but all the mothering figures you had, because all of them are building 
this internal complex. They are all building your internal mother. And actually, we can have many mothers in the outer world. If we are lucky, between them, we will find what we need. So now let's see the four types of mother that are portrayed in this tale. Actually, only the first three types are seen very clearly in the story. And the fourth type I bring forward as a way of showing the possibility of what could be if one did not collapse, if a mother did not collapse. So the first type is the ambivalent mother. The characteristics of this mother is one that is being taunted for having a child that is different. She is divided emotionally and she ends up withdrawing the care that the child needs. She cares for it in the beginning, but after a while she collapses. That will lead us into the collapsed mother. But the ambivalent mother, she is pulled in four directions. The first is that the desire to be accepted by the village. So she feels that desire. She feels that she needs to belong. She needs to comply and she needs to participate in the village. The second pull is the one that responds to the fear that she will be punished. She has a genuine fear of being punished for having that child, for protecting that child, the one that is being harassed. The third pool is a pool for self-preservation. It's a very individualistic pool and desire, one that thinks only of her own. And the fourth pool is the instinctual love for the child and the preservation of this child. So the ambivalent mother feels these different pools and she initially does not know what to follow. Of course, it is very clear for us that is the fourth pool that she should follow, the one that is the unconditional love and protection of her child. And when we are thinking here, I asked you to think of your internal mother complex, meaning we are the mothers feeling these four pools. And it doesn't need to be a child. The child can be anything. It can be the project. It could be the art. It could be the creativity, the beliefs, the value a relationship, a lover, a soul life. So putting in an example for you to make it easier, imagine as a woman, our internal complex of the ambivalent mother has these four different pools in relation to a passion project. One is that you feel this passion project needs to fit into society, needs to conform. It cannot look weird. It needs to be something you can explain it to society. It needs to make sense in our culture. The second one would be perhaps the fear of being punished if you pursue this project or if you make this project public. And this punishment could be of being disfranchised, of being, being considered laughable or being considered superficial or being considered weird. The third pool is a pool for self-preservation, one that you think not of the project, but only of yourself. And the fourth pool would be the instinctual love for this project, wanting to see this project grow, wanting to see where it leads, wanting to take care of it, to nurture it, to put your energy into it. So it is these different feelings that characterize the ambivalent mother. 
and have you not witnessed? I think it is very normal, common, and fair even to feel these different pools. It is not that we should be hard on ourselves to feel that. The important thing is that we realize that we need to follow the instinctual love that we have for our child and not fall into the trap of giving in out of fear, out of only self-preservation. When a woman has the ambivalent mother in her psyche, she may find herself giving in too easily, afraid to take a stand, to demand respect, to assert her right to do it, learn it, live it in her own way. One of the ways to loosen this ambivalence is to have deep courage and then action. That's the way to cure and saltify ambivalence. And the more we follow the pull for the instinctual love for the child, the more the ambivalent mother will be dismantled in our psyche. And we less and less will feel these other fears, these other pulls. However, in the Ugly Duckling story, we do not see the mother following that. So we could even point out that this part of the myth teaches us what not to do. And I find it very ironic that this is a very common bedtime story between mother-daughter. And it is teaching the children to keep going, finding their pack of swans. However, it seems that many mothers, as they are reading these stories, they don't realize that they sometimes are the mother pushing their child away. But continuing, that leads us to the collapsed mother. So first... The mother duck feels these different pools. She is embodying in all ways the ambivalent mother. She have tried to protect her baby. However, she does not tolerate the torment any longer. And she collapsed by saying, I wish you were far away. She says that to the ugly duckling. And that's the moment that she collapses. That's the moment where she is divided between the love for the child and the fear of the village. But she cannot take the fear of the village. She is missing the instinctual knowing, that strength, that endurance that the ugly duckling has, but his mother has not. So she collapses. And collapsing psychologically means that the mother, inner or outer, has lost sense of herself. Maybe because she is a narcissistic mother who feels entitled to be a child. Or maybe because she is a severed from the wildish self and frighted into collapse by a psychic or physical threat. When women collapse, they tend to feel very confused and they tend to think that no one sympathizes with them. And they fall into a pit. They fall into an emotional replay of old wounds often done to them when they were a child. What happens when a woman have a collapsed mother within her psyche? It feels to this woman that outer demands and soul life decisions are life and death issues. In some ways, she cannot make a decision, so we see the ambivalent mother and she always collapses. You might have witnessed this before, that when women need to make a soul life decision, they find themselves completely in despair. 
They cannot make that decision and they tend to continue in that space until there is a collapse. But what can we say to a woman who was deeply injured or a woman who carried this collapsed inner mother within her? Time cannot be erased, but the psychic mother can be rebuilt. There is work that we can do to rebuild and heal our internal mother and start carrying one in our psyche that is loving, nurturing, protective, but still bold and encouraging of our dreams. So now let's move into our third mother. This is the child mother, or it can also be called the unmothered mother. In some ways, she is present in uh, the other two, the ambivalent and the collapsed mother. And we see the, her characteristics present in the mother duck of this story. She is in some ways unsophisticated and naive. She is fragile. She is insistent of having babies, but when these babies are born, she turns away from them. She tends to be very young and young here in initiations, so she tends to be very uninitiated. Remember that when I speak about child, it does not mean necessarily an outer physical child, but the child of projects, for example, or creating a soul life, a relationship, a home, anything. And the child mother is insistent of having these things, but then as soon as they are born or as soon as something is created or an opportunity arises, she turns away from it. In some ways, she feels tortured by the culture and she feels undeserving of love or unable to inhabit the radiant mother archetype. We'll talk about the radiant mother archetype in a little bit, but it's important to just realize that this child mother or unmothered mother archetype is unable to step into the shoes of one that is proud. The child mother feels unable to accept love, and that means to accept recognition, to accept acknowledgement, to feel responsible for making decisions as well. In some ways, all new mothers begin as a child mother, and they need support from other mothers, their internal mother complex, to be able to mother their children, to be able to mother their projects, to be able to mother their soul lives. New mothers must be welcomed by older mothers. And again, here we can speak of mothers who are mothers to children, but it could also be women who are creating must be welcomed by women who have created for a while longer, women who have walked the journey for a little bit longer. They are the ones that will teach us the steps. And what happens to a woman when they have a child mother within their psyche? They do not know how to give proper care. They do not know how to take care of themselves and of others. They do everything for everyone and they forget their own needs. And they forget to place boundaries. They forget that it's not about doing things the way that others believe they should but it is about following their instinct when it comes to 
caring for their creations. Sometimes, the child mother it is also a swan raised by ducks. She was not able to find her pack. She was not able to find recognition, acknowledgement, her own power. And then she raised another child. Exactly like that. But if we do the work, and if we find our pack, and if we have the endurance of the ugly duckling, and we practice and nurture our fearsomeness, our fearlessness, our vehemence, we can step into the shoes of the strong mother. And the strong mother archetype, the radiant mother archetype, comes together with the strong child. It is called strong mother, strong child. Some of the characteristics is that they are all knowing. That does not mean they know everything about everything. It means that they have a true connection with their instinct. They tend to be very kind. They are older in initiations. They are well initiated. They are wiser. They have gained learning and development from outer world women. It is this strong mother that holds the medicine for love, for rest, for work, for hope. In some ways, she is a school for us. It is this strong mother who gives new learnings to the child, who gives innate wisdom to the child. Like the wolf mother, who does not teach her cub only to hunt, but also what to look out for when hunting. There is so much more to be said about these types of mother, and I would say especially the radiant mother archetype, which is the one that we want to strive for. I will pause here because the radiant mother archetype will appear again to us when we look at the Greek myth of Demeter in a different episode. And before we close this episode, I would just wanted to briefly mention the father in the story because he doesn't appear, but there is a mention to him in the beginning of the tale. So the mother duck, in a conversation with another duck, she says, can you believe the father of these ducklings have never showed up? And this suggests to us that we also have here a collapsed father, unable to be present, unable to stand ground. If you are interested in the father archetype, I would invite you to return to the episode of Manawe. There we see the father archetype in its radiant light. The father archetype as it should be, the one that creates integration, the one that protects, the one that filter and screens everything in the outer world for us. In our next episode, I will bring in and continue interpreting the tale of the ugly duckling. We will look at some of the mythical elements like the freezing cold, the creatures that the ugly duckling met along the way before he found the swans, and then finally the meeting of the beautiful swans and his community. So until then, I invite you to reflect, does your internal mother sustain your unique qualities or does it need adjustment? Does it need healing? Does that voice inside consciously and unconsciously sustain who you are and who you want to be? Or is it holding you back? Because that will show that it needs healing. It needs work. 
I would love to hear from you. So feel free to connect with me on Instagram at Woman and Mythology or through my website, womanandmythology.com. Until our next episode, I wish you the three qualities of the strong mother fearlessness, fearsomeness, and vehemence. Network.